Hey, hey! Welcome to the Vision of the People podcast. I'm your host, Rushi, like sushi with an R. We venture into stories ranging from incredible founders to creative artists who have achieved great success and those just starting their journeys. Each passion-filled episode features advice on topics ranging from startups to the cosmos. And here we go. Welcome to another episode of Vision of the People podcast. I have someone very special here uh, today with me. Dan, so much, thanks so much for being here today with me. My pleasure. So a quick introduction about Dan Hart. He's going to need a really big one. I don't even know if it's quick. So he's the president and CEO of Virgin Orbit, where he leads Virgin's satellite launch company. Um, the company's primary focus is the delivery of small satellites and constellations to LEO, which is uh, orbit aboard Virgin's Launcher One rocket, which is air launch from Virgin Orbit's 747 named Cosmic Girl. Prior to this, uh, Mr. Hart was the Vice President of Government Satellite Systems for Boeing's Space and Intelligence Systems Division. In this position, he's responsible for all Boeing satellite programs for the USG and allied countries, including the Wideband Global SATCOM, Global Positioning System, Tracking and Data Relay Satellites, Payload Programs, Experimental Systems Group, and other government satellite programs. He was named to this position in December 2013. He's held a wide variety of leadership roles in program management, engineering, and operations across Boeing's network and space systems unit. He has led teams in all phases of the product lifecycle, from R&D through development, production, and flight operations, and has supported numerous space launch missions across manned space, satellite development, launch vehicle development, and missile defense. Prior to his current assignment, Dan served as... Vice President and Chief Engineer for Boeing Network and Space Systems. He was responsible for providing functional oversight for all engineering, technology development, and mission assurance activities for the 10,000 NNSS engineers. Dan holds a Bachelor of Science degree in Physics from uh, University of New York at Albany and attended Harvard Business School Advanced uh, Management Program. He's also on the Executive Board of California Science Center. So... What a background, and I'm truly delighted. Well, thank you. Thanks for that extensive introduction. <laughs> well, they needed to know. You're, you're special. So I'm going to jump right into the questions. Um, and, you know, Virgin Orbit, let's dive right into it. Question number one I want to start with. Virgin Orbit is really breaking new barriers and making space cool. Creating a rocket launch company It's probably one of the hardest businesses one can ever do, let alone imagine. My question is why and why Virgin Orbit? Well, I mean, why create launch capability? You create launch capability uh, when when it's needed. And so there is a transformation going on in space. There are a whole host of both privately funded and government funded small satellite programs. Technology is driving us to a new place and and launch is the bottleneck. And so Virgin uh, wisely saw that gap and started a program a few years ago. We've put together a team of professionals who, for, for, for those of us in the business, it's not strange at all to us. It's what we've done our whole careers. And so we're continuing to create an, yet another, um, but cooler, uh, more agile uh, launch capability to get satellites to orbit. That's super awesome. So uh, you're, 
I had, you know, the great pleasure of Will giving me a really wonderful tour um, at the shop floor here. Um, and then you seem to be focusing on the small satellite and the CubeSat market, um, which is really um, prime and upcoming. Can you tell me a little bit about how you're bringing the historically secondary payload and offering them a premium primary payload services at affordable rates? Yeah, and I would say it's, it's CubeSats and some satellites just a smidge bigger. Um, and, and these are satellites that have grown up um, getting to orbit typically as the extra payload on a large rocket where you have a primary satellite and then you have a satellite or a couple of satellites that are going to be dropped off. And they're used to flying when the big satellite is available to fly uh, because that's the primary customer and going where that big satellite is going. And so um, it's fine if you're doing an experiment here or there and just need to get into a space environment. It's not terribly conducive if you are running a business that has revenue generation committed at a certain date um, at a certain orbit. And, and so these, these satellites now and these businesses that have grown up over the years are, are now getting real investment and they have real needs. And we're seeing a shift in their behaviors to where they really want dedicated service. And that's where we come in. Very cool. So you were mentioning the space really being opening up and this, you know, within this exciting space race, um, as I like to call it, you know, what's the mindset? I mean, you've had a tremendous amount of time in history, you know, what's your mindset and how do you think differently when you know you have other competitors in the space with you? Well, you know, space has always been competitive. Uh, it's, it's actually heated up a bit over the past years with all the excitement and the private investment. Um, but, you know, what we do is, I mean, it's, it's not surprising. We build the best team that, that the industry can bear, and we, we've done that. We have tremendous backing from uh, Virgin and, and, and Richard Branson in, in driving us forward. Um, and, and that gives us a bit of advantage, honestly, to have uh, a leader with, um, with, with the vision uh, and, and the drive uh, and the interest. Um, and so, you know, for us, it's not as much about what our competitors are doing. It's about building the best system we can, getting uh, a relationship with our customers to where we understand their needs, because a rocket is not there really to put uh, smoke and fire out the back end. It's there to get uh, our, our spacecraft customers comfortably to their orbit. Um, and so, you know, that's what our focus is. It's, it's our customers, it's our people, and by doing that, by focusing on those um, communities, we're driving uh, a tremendous capability into the market. That's awesome. I'm truly, you know, rooting for you guys, and I think it'll be an interesting time. So you spoke of, you know, Virgin, and, you know, I, I, I have to ask this question. So um, you're now part of the legendary Virgin family. Um, so what is it like to work with Sir Richard Branson? Well, you know, Richard is a wonderful combination of, number one, um, a purpose-driven individual who drives um, his objectives through businesses. And so um, he, he really has a... Uh, 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 an altruistic streak that he's very public about, about improving the world. And, and space has unique capabilities uh, or is a unique instrument to, to, to make some of those objectives happen. And so I, we, 
you know, talking to Richard, he's all about putting capability into space to improve life here on Earth. Um, Richard is also just an expert business person. I mean, he's, his career has been really driven by these um, goals and objectives, purposes, but coupled with an, a real thorough understanding of how to drive successful businesses, how to put them together, and, and an inspiration that kind of just flows from him down into the team. He spent a fair amount of time with us and this team. Um, his excitement and his drive and enthusiasm is absolutely infectious. And so, you know, Richard is our biggest asset. That's wonderful to hear. So on a lighter note um, or on a more serious note, um, speaking of, you know, f furthering humanity and helping people on Earth, you know, do you really think humans will go out into the cosmos and perhaps, uh, perhaps become an interplanetary species? You know, I, I think that humans will. Um, our focus, though, is we have a wonderful planet here. Hmm. And, and, you know, what I... There's a bit of a, there, there can be a bit of a cynical um, idea that it's time for us to find a better place. And, and I don't know that we'll ever find a better place. So it's, you know, at Virgin Orbit, we're about, as I mentioned before, improving life on Earth by putting capabilities into space. And if you look at, if you think about humanity, you know, how we better connect, how we provide capabilities to avoid disasters. I mean, there's all these things that space provides reasonably well now, but can do so much better. Um, the digital divide, you know, we can, we can improve on that and, and have, a, and, and low Earth orbit and small satellites actually stands um, a good chance of, of, of really driving to the next generation of space capability that, that we'll feel on Earth every single day. It's incredible. I, I, I haven't heard it quite that way, which I, I find invigorating, especially from a new perspective. A lot of people say we got to go out, we got to go out. But, you know, there, now that I think about it, there's no planet B. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and I think we will go out, you know, again. I mean, and I think it'll be incredibly exciting when we do. But it'll be for the right reasons. It'll be because human beings have a, it's in our DNA to explore and go out and, and, and find new things. But home base is always going to be incredibly important to us. I love that. So now I want to shift um, to, to, to your background. So let's go back in history, um, November 1983. It's about a few months after you graduated from University of Albany. Uh, you supported your first launch, the historic Space Lab 1 STS-9 from Firing Room 1 oh, yeah. at Kennedy Space Center. You had originally wanted to become an astronaut. Um, if you could walk me through that launch, and the fact that you weren't an astronaut, but you were launching a crew of six into space, is it still the same excitement waking up every day and coming to work? You know, so, A, when I walked into the firing room um, with my uh, reference books and my procedures, and I sat down and put on my rather large headset in 1983, I was, my feet were not touching the ground at all. Um, I mean, I, I was... I was on a mission um, with, I mean, I was sitting next to people who sat on Apollo and Gemini and Mercury, and, and we were 
processing Space Lab through Countdown. So as a 22-year-old um, in the firing room, I was it was way past my wildest dreams to be there um, and to, to be sending commands and, and monitoring and have some responsibility, albeit, you know, not, not a huge responsibility when, in hindsight, but at the time, boy, my eyes were on that screen like, uh, you know, if there was a millivolt uh, shift, I would have known it instantly. Um, so incredible excitement when the, when the bird cleared the pad. Um, you know, I, I'm getting a lump in my throat just, just thinking about it. It was, it was an um, incredibly inspirational, magical day. Um, to, to be part of that and to see how it's done and, um, and to be with those individuals. Um, you know, the, the, what's really amazing about the experience and about being in, this, in space programs is you're in a mission or you're, you're, you're working on something that is so much bigger, that has such a bigger, bigger effect than you or the people around you or even, you know, the, the hundreds or so people you're working with, and and I think for me and the people in this business is that in this business that is what drives us, is there is a, a higher purpose that we can plug into that we can feel, um, and if at the end of the day, you feel like you've contributed something to that, you feel pretty damn good. That's incredible. So thank you for sharing that. Um, and, and moving on into college, if I read correctly, your first year of college, uh, you studied both science and the arts, where you got a chance to be in the lead role for the 1920s comedy Boy Meets Girl. Mm. How did you end up knowing that physics was the right area you wanted to go in, and what were some of the factors that you decided? So, you know, actually, I was a physics and theater double major for a little while in, in college. Um, the buildings were right next to each other, so it was pretty simple. Um, you know, I was, so why did I study physics? Um, I became enamored with physics. I mean, when I graduated high school, it was Einstein's 100th birthday. Hmm. And, and I, it just so happened there was just so much material about relativity and space-time and theory. And I just got, I just, I just fell in love with it. So from the time I got into college, I knew I was going to be a physics major and I was going to study physics. Um, I, I got the space bug kind of early also. I mean, I watched um, um, the first lunar landing when I was eight years old on, you know, on a grainy black and white TV set. And, and it, it, it just, it resonated importance to me and that there was something good about it. Um, that said, I grew up in an arts family. My father was an oil painter. Um, my brother's a musician. I had an uncle who was a writer. Opera singer, cousin. I mean, I, I I grew up in the arts to where the arts are very, very part foundational. And my dad's philosophy was he felt that science and the arts had a common link. And so I never felt, frankly, in physics that I was that far away from the arts anyway. And if you if you know physics um, professionals and and you know the real deep thinkers. You know, there's an artistic streak there. I mean, you got Feynman playing the bongos. Um, you know, uh, you've got you. You know, you have a lot of that cross. And I think, I honestly, I think there's too much kind of dialogue on I'm a this versus 
no, I'm a that, you know, hmm. I'm, a, I'm an engineer, so I'll never perform, or I'm a performer, so I don't like math. Personally, I think most of that is bullshit. And that if people really understand it and apply themselves, they can have a hell of a lot more fun. I agree. I mean, that's why I'm a business and computer science major. There you go. So there you go. <laughs> plays out perfectly. So let's talk a little bit about mentors. Uh, you conducted research for James uh, Corbett, uh, that who then went on to become your mentor. And I certainly want to use the same lines here that you, you once used, uh, that you were amazed for someone who had been all over the world and leads an incredible company would sit down and chat with a lowly junior such as myself. You know, what, you know, I'm, again, really thankful that you're giving me this opportunity. What role did mentors play in your life, and what's the step, first step to getting a mentor if someone needs one? You know, I, I guess I um, had mentorship starting probably with my first job or earlier. I mean, my first job, I was a dishwasher, and I really looked up to the chef. Um, I was 14, and I just knew this person knew so much. And, and, if he, and, and he would pay attention to me periodically and show me things, and I appreciated it, and I could somehow sense that he enjoyed the interaction also. And I think a light bulb went off um, in my head that, wow, this is a door that's open. And um, when I got to college, um, you know, doc, working with Dr. Corbett, I mean, I asked if I could be part of his research institute, and he to my amazement, agreed. And then he would just pull me aside and spend an hour, hour and a half periodically talking about um, physics or what I wanted to do, um, and I was amazed by it. Um, so I gained a, certain, a huge amount of confidence by, by those chats that this incredibly important person um, would spend time, you know, as you said in, in the quote, um, and I think when I, in hindsight, or now that I'm a little older, um, and I spend time doing mentoring, I, I kind of get what his perspective was. It, I mean, from my point of view, and people on on the, the the fourth quarter side of their careers, if you will, or the second half, um, there's a you get a lot of energy, and you're you get you sense the enthusiasm and, and you feel accomplishment when you, when you see somebody you're talking with achieving um, their goals and you feel good about it. And, and so mentoring is, is incredibly important, I think, for the mentee to really gain you know, insight, perspective, confidence, um, you've got the, 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 you know, you can pick up the phone and ask any question. And then I think it's, it's almost equally or maybe, maybe even more important for the, the mentor who can get, can sense the energy, can sense, like in space when I'm talking to people, I can see in their eyes why I'm in the business I'm in. You know, and you can, you can in day-to-day day -day budget schedules, technical issues, this or that, you can... You, you, you can wear you down a little bit. You, you, you talk to an a energetic, enthusiastic uh, um, junior in college, and you just come alive. Love it. So as we wrap up here in a few minutes, I want to do a fast round. Sure. Three questions. Um, being in a startup, you know, it seems like a crazy roller coaster. You know, when times get tough, um, how do you de-stress? I, I remember you know, reading somewhere that you played the drums, you read history, you, you seem pretty fit. And, do you run? 
you know, I, I do some exercise. I like to play my guitar and, and uh, you know, holler out a few good uh, classic rock tunes in my, in my living room. Um, you know, spend time with the family, take a hike, you know, go, go, go to a beautiful place. The ocean's here in California. Those are the main things. And it, it helps. helps to get away a little bit and think. Awesome. Um, and so now the last two questions, it's, it's really about, you know, why I started this podcast and, and what tangible advice would you give to people, you know, in their, in their 20s today wanting to make an impact on the world? Great question. Um, I would say think about the purpose that you want your life to hold. And you don't, it doesn't have to be a finely specified, detailed understanding, but it can be a feeling of the kinds of thing, thing, the kind of thing that inspires you. And then, then find ways to do it and stay on it and give yourself some patience so that you can, you can get into it. I think, um, I think some people either get, try to be ultra-specific about what they're going to do and it throws them off, or they don't give themselves enough time to actually try it out. My first three months of, of, of being down at Kennedy Space Center was really hard. Um, but, uh, you know, I gave it a little bit of time, and I, I sort of got the hang of it, and eventually, you know, got into a groove. Awesome. Um, last 10 seconds. Uh, Shoot. What is your vision right now, and what keeps you going? I mean, it's bringing new capabilities to space awesome. and, and driving teams with a common objective it, it's magic cool well we'll be cheering from the sidelines thanks so much dan thank you that was dan hart president and ceo of virgin orbit we really hope you enjoyed that thank you for joining us on this journey please like us on facebook at vision of the people podcast and do give your thoughts to me at low rushi shah on twitter on who i should have next on the show If you found this insightful or interesting, share it with someone that could find this helpful. As Mahatma Gandhi once said, you must be the change you wish to see in the world. Till next time, keep striving.